Okay, so last week was pretty boring. I feel like last week trickled into this week a little bit, given some circumstances. <laughs> wow, you're so vague. Well, I mean, technically, given what we were quote-unquote taught last week. Taught. Um, taught. <laughs> yes, we uh, learned. It rolled over into this week. But yeah, so I feel like we're getting some consequences. I want to say there was a little more intrigue this week. I think we did spend more time on the murder investigation this week. Which I enjoyed. I liked I it enjoyed better. I enjoyed except for the Veronica and Jughead bullshit, which I'm not a fan of. I'm not a fan of it either. I wrote in a lot of caps. <laughs> we're in serious trouble. <laughs> it's all the, the Vughead stands. They're coming for us. They're coming for us. <laughs> Sirens of Belize. Yeah, no, I, I, yelled, I yelled in my notes through caps because I... I'm not enjoying this. And at the same time, it doesn't really feel forced, but also it's forced. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, they're trying, and I think if the actors had more chemistry, maybe it would make more sense. But I think part of the issue is just from the ground up, like, they just don't have the same chemistry that other pairings do. Right. We've been on this journey for seven years, and to just kind of hit us with these random hookups and pairings and all that just because we're in a different timeline i don't like it i don't i don't think it's necessary no none of this is necessary (laughs) no this is i hate it let's watch it i'm lisa and i'm dawn and to get us started here's our 60 second summary It's more relationship drama this week with a little more murder investigation mixed in for extra flavor. After Kevin tells Betty he wants to wait until marriage to have sex, she breaks up with him and he immediately runs off to slow dance with Clay at the darkroom. Betty sees the two of them together and finally understands why their relationship wasn't working. She also discovers that Alice gave Kevin the idea to pin her to get her to calm down and is none too happy about that. Meanwhile, Cheryl is busy exaggerating the physical aspect of her relationship with Archie and it gets to the point where the Blossoms and Mary Andrews get together and decide the best thing for these crazy kids to do is get married. Archie agrees in order to continue protecting Cheryl, but ultimately Tony convinces Cheryl not to run away from who she really is, and Cheryl ends the engagement. Romance builds between Veronica and Jughead as they work together to hashtag free Ethel. They find out that on the night of her parents' murder, Ethel was being sexually assaulted by Julian Blossom, whom they bully into making a statement to Sheriff Keller to confirm Ethel's alibi. But we're still no closer to figuring out who the milkman is, so better luck next week. Ah, I don't even know where to begin, only because, again, we're dealing with Betty and Kevin. We're dealing with Cheryl and Archie. We're dealing with Veronica and Jughead and also Ethel. <laughs> Peripherally Ethel. Ethel, who is somehow sidelined in her own this story. This poor girl. Like, I can't. <laughs> she, I, I don't like it. I, I'm very sad for her. Um, I almost think it's ridiculous because this investigation is about her. And yet somehow it's not about her at all. Right. It's, it's like the minute, she, the minute she's on the screen, they're basically like, get the fuck out of here. What are you doing? Yeah, they basically interview her to find out her alibi and then they go investigate her alibi. And it's just like. And yet she still gets punished in a right, way. Yeah. Which is so fucked up. I know. I mean, thank God the Sisters of Quiet Mercy were around in the 50s because, you know, we, we haven't seen the last of those bitches. Oh, God. And they're just as bad then as they are today. I mean, I don't think they were ever good. So you've defined this episode quite nicely into three parts. Let's maybe just pick one and talk about it, and we'll just go through it that way. Okay, let's start with the brunt of our frustration, and we'll go into Vughead, because (laughs) this is, like I said, I didn't feel it to be forced, 
in a way, like they're trying to make it seem that it's a natural progression of getting to know each right. other and then finding those similarities and then just inevitably feeling like we're meant to be. But no, because... No, and... It's, it's very forced on Veronica's side. She's doing the most. I hate it. She's yeah. she's a little too aggressive. And I think Jughead is... I think He's Jughead's just playing as it. As yeah. Archie. I mean, they're both such yes and no. doofuses. I think he he senses it and he's doing his best to avoid it, but his well, excuses for Well, I think he just doesn't know it, what to do with yeah. it. Like I it's not even that he's not interested, it's just like he doesn't know how to respond to a woman expressing interest in him, which makes sense because I get the impression that 50s era Jughead was probably not doing so well with the ladies. At this No, point he was I mean, he was more of a recluse than we've ever seen him. Yeah. So I think he's startled by this attention from Veronica, but is not upset or offended by it. No, because she's she's showing interest in what he inevitably is interested in. And well, unfortunately, as well, it's being a part of this murder investigation (laughs) where he is a suspect. Right, right. Because the episode so last episode ended. Where there was no warrant and his right, poor train car. Was... And they had kind of figured out that Jughead and Ethel were their prime suspects. So they get arrested. So they get taken down to the police station to be jailed temporarily, I guess. And again, like no parent. I mean, Ethel has no parents. They're dead. But Jughead has no parents to speak of to intervene on his behalf. This all feels very illegal. There's no like social services or anything involved. But anyway, they're in jail. And Jughead sees Veronica on the way out of school when he's being arrested and is basically like, they're railroading us and blah, blah, blah. We're going to jail. So then Veronica takes it upon herself to go down there and talk to him. Yeah, she's being her her normal Veronica at this point. Right. And basically saying like, well, you were at the dance with us, the sock hop, and like we just need to be able to prove that and you can get out of here. And so she's able to spring him on that basis. But there's no alibi for Ethel during the time period in which... His parents were killed. <laughs> Can we talk about that alibi? Her parents were killed, sorry. I don't like it. It's very strange. It's incredibly, it's a weird story because <sighs> I feel like we're skipping ahead a little bit, though, because I glossed over something that I just didn't want to gloss over. Sorry. No, no, I, I did it. It was my bad. I skipped over the whole part where in order to prove that Jughead could not be part of the murders by being at the sock hop, they had to prove the time of death of Ethel's parents and so they had to go through the coroner and stuff but the way they (laughs) got to that I found hilarious because Veronica says to Jughead basically like well this town has a coroner like like what are we doing the fact that like she comes to town and thinks that because it's not LA Mm mm-hmm there's legit no rhyme or reason to this town at all. So she's he's like, well, yeah, every town has a coroner. Right. What? How dumb are you? Yeah. So they're both like weirdly dumb and smart at the same time. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's weird because I always have looked at Jughead as very smart. Yes, I think we're supposed to. But then also, I've also seen Veronica as, as annoying as she fucking is. She has the logic. Right behind her decisions some of the time (laughs) and so i get her questions but also they're stupid questions to lead up into you know so like oh do you have a coroner well yeah no shit how do you think this works right like where you think the bodies went we just dump them in a big communal grave (laughs) but i just find it funny that again they're high school students leading an investigation yeah how does that work right i mean 
it may go back to something that you said. I don't know if it was the last episode or the one before where you had said something about the school psychologist being sort of Oh, he's like the head honcho. Yeah. Yeah, but it was it's different and I I'm kicking myself because I didn't mention it in the last Dr. Werther. Yeah. Like the Werther's caramel. That's what I keep thinking when they say his name. But Yeah, you can't not. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about it in the last episode and I forgot to bring it up during the podcast. There's one scene where his influence over Principal Featherhead is almost hypnotic. Yes. Where, like, he's saying something and then Principal Featherhead just kind of repeats it. And it's almost like he's in his mind being, like... And then it's supposed to be Principal Featherhead's... It's his decision. It's it's his thought. It's... Right. What he's deciding. Like, it's more than just leading him in conversation. It almost seems like there's, like, a psychological tether going on. Yeah, and it's getting worse and worse. It's feeling a little Percival-y to me. And, like, I don't know if there's a connection of some kind. I don't want there to be. But it does seem like there's something really sinister going on there. Even more so than just him having a bit more influence than he should. So I wonder if Sheriff Keller is similarly under that pull. Can I just bring something up about him really quickly? Who? Sheriff Keller. Okay. He looks super creepy. He this season. Looks like, like I'm not attracted to him. I was super hot dad. Yeah. You know, but like I don't know if it's how his facial hair is looking lately. Yeah, he's got or... the scruff, but I do think maybe he's lost a little bit too much weight in like a short period of time. It seems oh. like he looks a little bit drawn. I don't like it. Like, I mean, I hope all's well with him, but I just, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I get that he's doing his job and all that, but he does give off this more, I don't know, it's more of like a scary, again, yeah, well, like he's, he's manipulated vibe. He's not a good person vibe. in yeah. the 50s Riverdale era. This is not the Sheriff Keller that we know. I mean, he was also manipulated by Percival in the last season. So this feels very much in line with that version of Sheriff Keller. Yeah. And so if there is still something going on like that, that would make sense to me. But yeah, he he's like a big bad cop figure in this scenario. So I don't think he's necessarily going to the corner and trying to figure out the time of death. He's not maybe doing the investigation that he should be doing, but maybe that's intentional. Yeah, I mean, I also don't think he was expecting two teenagers to be up his ass about it like this. Nobody is because this would never happen. (laughs) No, and it's probably also thinking Jughead and Ethel are the like outcasts. Yeah. So who gives a shit about them? It'll be easy to pin it on them and yada yada. So it's... Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of societal pressure for him to solve the case. No. And at the same time, it seems like pinning it on the daughter, unless they're trying to make I mean, the only significant about... thing was that drawing. I mean, right. That well, was... I mean, I was, just, I was just about to say, I feel like unless maybe they're trying to demonize comics or their involvement Mm. in these like violent you know how like when we were growing up it was like oh the violent video games they're gonna turn us all into serial killers like maybe in the 50s it was like oh these violent comic books you know they're evil and look what they did to this innocent little girl they made her murder her parents yeah so i don't know but we do find out because once jughead is out he's trying to get ethel out and him and veronica managed to get Ethel's alibi from her, which is what you were referring to earlier. Yeah. So the night of the sock hop, Ethel goes to the bus stop to wait for the bus to take her to the school to the dance. And Julian Blossom rolls up in his car and sees her and asks if she wants a ride. 
And at first she's kind of like, nah. And then he's like, I mean, I'm just, I'm going to the same place. Just, you know, get in. She's like, fine. But he doesn't take her to the dance. He takes her to the lover's lane and then basically attempts to assault her, I guess, but doesn't. Right. Because he, okay. So I think this is where I, I was upset about because it's, again, you have Dick Julian trying to take advantage. Right. Of Ethel, which is frustrating because I just don't like him and I hate him. No, but I love him as a new villain. It is a fun new villain. I I side with you on that. But given that, I hate his fucking guts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So he picks her up and he takes her to Lover's Lane. And it's where it's described because Jughead's telling a story. But it's described that they were making out. She was, you know, she wasn't denying him. But right. then he started to get a little too handsy and she wasn't about it. And that's where I'm stuck now with the timeline because he he goes to the dance because he right. ends up dancing with Veronica. Okay. Yes, but then she after ends that, up covered in blood, she's covered in blood, and her hair was different. Dawn, you're so right. I didn't even think about any of this. Her hair. Okay, so her hair. Okay. <laughs> okay. When she was at the bus stop, when she got picked yeah. up by Julian, her hair was down like it normally is. Okay. But she did have the dress she was going to wear to the sock hop. When she gets to the sock hop covered in blood, her hair is like up in like this Dutch like braid. Weird. I mean, we're talking yeah. again, a very distinct timeline. Right. Not that much time. So Julian, again, is at the sock hop because he does ask Veronica to dance after she was denied by Archie. Mm-hmm. Some time goes by. Right. Before Ethel bursts into the... Yeah. So this is where I am kind of like confused because I don't see how it's so cut and dry that it's a decent alibi. Well, it may not be because I think it was sort of implied that like this has kind of gotten Sheriff Keller off their case for now. But... Yeah, I mean, you're right. Did, what happens? Did, did she say what happened after that? Like, did he kick her out of the car and then she had to walk? I think that's what happened. But but then, like, she must have gone back home in order to be covered in her parents' blood, essentially. Right. So maybe she decided she, she kill wasn't. Julian. He's still fucking here. Yeah, maybe she decided she just wasn't going to go to the dance anymore. But then she went home and found her parents dead. And then she went back to the dance. But, like, that's not really spelled out for us. And if that's the case, then it still doesn't clear her as a murder suspect. So, yeah, not super solid. But anyway, they get this story and then Jughead and Veronica go up to confront Julian about it. He is like, I'm not saying shit because I don't want anybody to know that that's what I was doing. But then (laughs) Jughead punches him in the face. Jughead goes on a... (laughs) He has a speech and a half... Which I agreed with. Yeah. He was very right in everything he said. The roundup before the punch was hilarious. <laughs> it was just a weird double whammy. And then he just kind of out of nowhere, the one hand just flings and just socks someone. But um, again, this gets him in trouble again. Yeah, I just I feel like it's sort of a weird confrontation because Julian is probably a football player. We we don't really know or whatever, but he seems like he has an athletic build. It doesn't seem like somebody like Jughead should be able to push him around or bully him in any way. Right. But I also feel like Julian is somewhat of a puss. He could be. He could be. And but it just I don't know that whole thing. I felt like he would have been more defensive. It is. He's probably thrown off guard too, not expecting 
maybe taking what Jughead was saying was kind of like throwing him off. Like, okay, maybe you're right. I am this fucking asshole. Uh, I don't think so. No? <laughs> I don't think he had a moment of emotional clarity there. <laughs> Although he does go and make this statement. So I guess he could have refused to do that and basically said like, well, then what are you going to do to me if I don't? Right. So I don't know. But at this point, Jughead gets Ethel sprung on this shaky alibi. and But he can't go home because... His trailer has been ransacked and, ransacked. and, and poor they, hot dog. They brought hot dog to the pound. Poor hot dog. They had to get hot dog. So him and Veronica skipped school one day to go rescue this hot bothered, dog. This pissed me the fuck off <laughs> because she offers him to stay and right. broke with her. And he is thinking of every excuse in the book not to be there. And Which she's is like, fair. well, yeah. So he's saying about the sheets and the this and the that. And she's like, she has every answer. She's like, well, I'm not, you know, there's a whole wing. I'm not even in any. And it's like, shut the fuck up. All right. Like, we get it. You want yeah. him to fucking stay I with know. you. I know. Like, the, the whole farce is just not believable. So then he ends up staying. And the next morning, he makes her, like, this five-course breakfast. Extravagant. Which is hilarious. She's so ungrateful. She's like, I usually have, like, a grapefruit and a cup of coffee. And That's like, like me for a breakfast. You. Actually, minus the grapefruit. It's just coffee. <laughs> but it's, they're discussing it more. And he's like, and she goes, walk with me to school. And it's like, fuck, mm. shut up. Like, why can't you just accept that you're friends? Why does this have to end up being, like, a romantic thing? Yeah, because it like, always that's has her, to. Like, yeah. God forbid we don't have couples in Riverdale. So he's like, well, I'm not going to school today because I have to go get hot dog from the pound and my train car is a fucking disaster. Like, I need to clean it up. <laughs> my train car is a disaster. It's a disaster. <laughs> I cannot have visitors right now. Oh, my God. And what she does to his train oh car. Oh, my God. I want to barf. Is offensive. So, <laughs> so bad. So she then decides. She's like, all right, well, listen, I won't go to school either. <laughs> Which, honestly, who gives a flying fuck yeah, if she goes uh, yeah, to school? Yeah, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it didn't matter in present-day Riverdale. No, it definitely doesn't it matter didn't. in 50s Riverdale. So she's like, you go get hot dog, and I will clean your trailer for you. And it's like, wow, okay. Yeah. I don't escalated. think you've cleaned a thing in your life, but that's <laughs> Well, fine. she doesn't clean the trailer either. She just hires a bunch of decorators. And it looks like something out of... Jughead says it looks like the, the Orient Express. Express. And that's exactly yeah. what it looked like. It's really garish furniture. It's not his It's not all. his style even remotely. It's disgusting. It's, it's really gross. Like, a lot of shams. Yes. Yeah, so ornate. Lots of tassels. And tassels, yes. <laughs> rich jewel tones what have you done (laughs) embroidery and patterns like it's nothing and he's so grateful like there's not even a moment where he's like he's like well this like wasn't necessary and also like i right he doesn't even give that look like this is nothing like i right like this is not my style he's polite to and say thank you but like you would think he would be like oh i mean and you know our jughead that we know would probably be offended that she had like spent so much money on his train car right and turned it into some sort of bougie (laughs) and the funny thing is she's still asking him to stay at the pembroke and it's like you just spent all this money (laughs) right to fix that problem and she just wants a live-in uh boyfriend obviously but like are you what are your what are your intentions with our son <laughs> yes <laughs> um that's exactly how i feel because honestly i don't i weirdly think she digs him a little bit but at the same time 
I don't know if it's out of being lonely or yeah. if right. We can't she's trust just her. Hang- right or after she- that whole thing with Archie in the interview process, yeah. like she's just having fun. Or is she just hanging on the fact that they have so much stuff in common? All they have in common is movies. They just make movie references and to books. each other and books. Fine. Is that enough? <laughs> well, it depends. Yeah, like for what I suppose. I don't know, but wowies. <laughs> Wowie, wowie. And then they end up like making out, right? That's like their final. Yeah, that's their final thing. Say on the matter. I think my whole thing is I want her to be genuine. I really do. Just don't trust her. But I don't trust her. Because yeah. again, I feel like he's not, he's smart, but he's not smart enough to know her. Her motives. Her motives. Yeah. But at the same time, in terms of their relationship friendship whatever it is (laughs) she hasn't really i mean she's kind of lived up to all the things she said she'd do so in terms of like helping him out and all that stuff like she's she's come through with everything that yeah right so she seems to be genuine but like but like you said i feel like we don't really know her motives and this could just be her looking for companionship and not necessarily caring who the only thing that i can say is she Jughead's got nothing. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> she's not a gold digger. Right? Like, she's not using him for anything, really. So, maybe it is genuine. I don't know. I don't care if it is, because it still doesn't work. It's still me. awful and horrible, and we hate it. So. Right, exactly. So, yeah, that they kiss because Jughead is feeling guilty about Ethel being carted off to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. That is sad. Why couldn't she just stay with. This can, well, this can serve as our segue into our next couple, which is. Betty and Kevin, mm-hmm. because this was kind of funny. There were some funny moments in that. I liked these. this. I mean, this was a nice way to end their fake relationship kind of thing. So I believe what we're meant to understand is that Alice shipped her off to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy when it was revealed that Betty got that sex book from Ethel. Thousand percent. So Alice was like, "Cannot have this influence under my roof." You know, we we tried to do the nice thing, but now we're shipping her off to those crazy nuns. Yeah. So that's where Ethel ends up. Poor Ethel. She's been there so many times. Right? Like, God. Um. So anyway, honestly, sort of like the least of Betty's issues with Alice, though, because she also finds out that Alice was the one who convinced Kevin to pin her to calm her down. This whole revelation between the two of them was necessary and i also i felt for the both of them ew really you felt for alice no not alice oh for kevin for kevin and betty okay okay when they had i thought you i jumped ahead a little bit but so it's snowing and it's very cold out and they're sitting outside at school and kevin basically puts down the human sexuality book in front of betty and is like I'm giving this back to you. <laughs> I read it. I read it. And she's like, well, you know, like, what did you get from it? And he's like, well, I think I know what you want, but I can't, like, give that to you. Yes. He wants to wait until marriage. Yeah. Sex. Okay. <laughs> and Betty puts her fucking foot down. And good for her. Because yeah. besides not reading what's boldly on Kevin's face that he is gay, she's like, well, listen, there's two sides to a relationship and I can't always go by, like, what you want like Mm -hmm. we have to compromise and it's always now like what's best for you and i don't like that and that's it we're done yay betty yeah power to betty good for her so she's extremely upset and tony sees her and Mm -hmm. they have a discussion and she's like you know i broke up with kevin and it's immediately assumed that he was for well right 
he was the one that was forcing sex and Betty wanted to wait till marriage and she's like, no. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> Absolutely I'm not. I am I am the sex crave maniac and <laughs> he's the one that wants to wait for marriage. And this is where I love Tony because mm-hmm. she doesn't jump to any conclusions. She's just kind of like, listen, you're going to figure this all out. Let's, why don't we go to the dark room? We'll have a coffee and we'll talk and you can get this all off your chest, whatever. And they go to the dark room, and unfortunately, to Betty's sight. (laughs) Shock and dismay. Kevin and Claire dancing. Very close. Yeah, they're slow dancing. Yeah, they're slow dancing. You know, for somebody who's so afraid to come out of the closet to, like, publicly. Like, the dark room is not a secret location. Like, anybody could see No, it's still a popular coffee house. Yeah, people go there. It's called the dark room, but I mean, people see you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's not that dark. No, it's not that dark. (laughs) Right off the bat, I didn't hate Betty's reaction to it. Because even when she confronts him, yeah, she doesn't jump down his throat, but right. he is very quick to turn it down. Like, you didn't see what you saw. And mm-hmm. she's like, no, but I did. Yeah, you're right. Like, you can't get out of this. <laughs> like, oh, it was a joke. Like, no, it wasn't a joke. Yeah. Like, we were, you know. And she was very calm and collected about it. Very understanding. Yeah. It was almost like seeing that kind of clicked in her brain as yeah. to like, oh, this, this has is been going why. on the whole time. It wasn't yeah. me. Yes. It, it had nothing to do with me. And I think this was probably one of the better parts of the episode. Because, I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, yeah. Their whole dealing with this where she confronts him about it and he, you know, confesses to her and she's not angry with him. She's or not judgmental. Yeah, nothing. And she doesn't do what Alice did when she said, oh, it's just a phase. He'll snap out of it and then he'll come back to you. Like there wasn't any of that, any of that trying to convince him that, you know, it's just like a weird thing that's going to pass. Like you need to be with me. There's none of that. So it's, it's a very nice and healthy way for her to respond to it. And Kevin, you can tell Kevin feels supported and relieved that he doesn't have to pretend anymore right thank god so that was nice i mean the frustrating thing about all of it is alice like surprise surprise Mm. we're just stuck with that woman we can't get rid of her all the other parents have died or been exiled or whatever we just we're stuck with alice day one (laughs) to season seven right and it's nuts because betty then comes home and Alice confronts her and is like, oh, Kevin, Mrs. Keller called me and Mm -hmm. she, you know, said that you broke up with Kevin and he's really upset and she can't find him and all that. And she goes, he's fine. (laughs) Yeah. No, don't worry about Kevin. (laughs) Like, he's totally fine. And I loved how, like, the line that was used, she's like, he found a shoulder to cry on. A very manly (laughs) shoulder. Quite literally. And even then, like, Alice finding the book and saying, why are you reading this book? And just Betty always has, like, the right answers. Yeah. And I love that. Like, I can't hate Betty. Like, No! This... Betty is holding this show together for me. I love her so much. I mean, yes, she has her... She has her moments. But, no, she does have a great... She has great comebacks towards Alice. Yeah. And I did love how she, like, snatched the book out of Alice's hand and, like, ran upstairs. And then... At that time, Ethel does admit that, like, oh, she got the book from my house. Like, mm-hmm. and the smirk that Ethel had on her face when they chased each other up the stairs was kind of funny. I was kind of like, oh, this would be a funny sitcom moment, but it's not a sitcom. <laughs> it's not. It is not. So, yeah, that's that's pretty. And I hope that that's it for the whole Kevin 
being closeted, kind of. I mean, he hasn't really come out, but I hope that there's at least less hiding. Is, yeah, this is a turning point for him because we're on a much slower track with Cheryl. Yeah. Oh. So something we didn't really mention in the last episode was that at the very end, Cheryl comes in and she flaunts this hickey that she has on her neck. This, and pretends, I actually had notes on this because the shit she says to her mother yeah. was hilarious. Um, but yeah, she flaunts that hickey and she's like, we've been, ba- what does she say? We've been knocking something. Knocking boots? I don't, I don't know. One of those phrases, yeah. <laughs> but it was like intense to the point where Penelope's like, you whore. Like, right, Yeah. It's I, And it was sort of like a fuck you in that, you know, her mom and her brother were basically pimping her out to Archie. And so she kind of, to get back at them, is like, well, Fair guess enough. what? Yeah. Now we're doing it all over the place and I'm a sex crave maniac like Betty. So it kind of backfires on her, though, because as the rumors spread. So fucking stupid. This <laughs> bothered me so much. Yeah. Because you don't go and try to force a dude on your daughter. Then they make out and get, uh, you know, and then, like, now you're pissed about it? Like, come on. I know. It's ridiculous. It's dumb. So it ultimately comes to the point where the Blossoms invite Mary Andrews and Archie over for dinner. Can I just say Mary's annoying the fucking shit out of me? She's the worst in this time period. I, I, I was pretty neutral about her for, like, everything else, but, like, in this time period, she's... She fucking sucks. Like, I get she's the only parent and all of that, but at the same time, overdoing it. Overdoing it. Yeah. And I don't know how often this happened in the 50s. It was probably more common in, like, colonial times or, you know, time periods where virginity was a bit more important. Like, it was still kind of taboo to be having sex before marriage. But they decide that the best way forward now for Archie and Cheryl because they've had sex not even because she's pregnant or anything but because they've had sex is now just to get married and they arrange this marriage and it's like (laughs) there were so many redheads at that table do you know I put on my tinfoil hat in this episode because I thought Mary was acting very strangely around this whole scenario especially with Clifford and I was wondering if there had been an affair there and maybe Archie was Clifford's son and not Fred's. Whoa! <laughs> but the only reason I thought it was because because of something Penelope said about their red hair. And then like... Well, yeah, because she said the one thing... So, okay, let's backtrack a little. It's decided amongst the families that they're going to get married, but Dr. Werther's has this compatibility test. Oh my god. That they have to Which take. Which is fucking stupid as It's fuck. three questions. It's yeah. dumb. It's stupid. Whatever. They end up passing. Yes, yeah, somehow. <laughs> and... Dr. Werther's calls Penelope and it just so happens that Mary is there at the time and she's like, oh, great news. Like they pass their compatibility test and everything's kosher. And she's like, which I didn't expect not to happen because they have so much in common. And like Mary's like, no, they really don't. (laughs) Yeah. Do they? And that's when Penelope's like, well, they both have that red hair. And I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. That's. That means you should get married. Right, both exactly. have, like, the reddest hair on the show. Yeah. But I thought I thought that was kind of an odd moment. And then also when Clifford says to Mary at the dinner, like, oh, like, let's go in the other room and discuss. 
Well, was it for Mary or was it for Archie? No, it was for Mary. They were going to leave because that's when Archie and Cheryl go outside. Oh, right. That was actually a nice scene. I loved that. We've never seen that view before no. of Blossom Manor or whatever the fuck it's In called. In winter. Thornhill. Like, it was, it was really gorgeous. nice. Loved it. Perfect spot for a nice romantic kiss between a couple that's People actually that not in love. <laughs> really don't like each other. <laughs> right. So, I don't know. It just felt like something weird was going on, but I think maybe I was just being a little bit too... Paranoid. That would spice a lot of things up. That would be fucking fantastic because I mean, none, nothing matters in the fifties going forward. So they could do something like that and make it wild. But there, there's this whole thing about the maple syrup. Hold on, hold on. Oh, and the hold war. On. Yes, hold on, because uh-huh. I, I cried. So after they get engaged, I guess. <laughs> The army was buying maple syrup. <laughs> like that's he was overcharging. What was the whole thing? I honestly wish I had written down more about it because I, I just have it in caps. Wait, the it might army be was on buying the... maple syrup for the war. No way, because the blossoms were somehow involved. I think they. I think Mary says to Archie that the blossoms were overcharging the U.S. military for syrup during the Vietnam War, which is fucking stupid because A, would they really allow themselves to be bullied by a small maple syrup conglomerate from Riverdale? And B, is maple syrup necessary for rations? Like They probably didn't even have maple syrup on the war front. <laughs> fucking stupid. Also, really quick, when they talk about the Russians at dinner, I'm like, what are we doing? Oh, right. Because I maybe that was just sort of- What do you think about the Russia problem? Like, Archie really knows about the Russia problem? Because Clifford Blossom is the mayor, so he's a big, important dude. But I think that was maybe the highlight that they just come from such different worlds and that they're really not necessarily compatible because Archie just is kind of like, yeah, those- those Russians, man, we uh, we got to do something about that. <laughs> I I don't understand why just making out means you have to get married, right? Or even just having sex because it's not like it's the pregnancy issue that Fangs and Midge have, which we can get to. I want to get in into a, that in a hot second, but we can wrap up the Archie and Cheryl story. So basically. I, I was getting a very big um, Newsies vibe from Archie. Yeah, well, he wants to go out west. West. And- I, I, I started singing Santa Fe in my head because <laughs> fucking I love Newsies. But yeah, Santa Fe, everything's better out west. Everything's yeah. easier out west. And um, and there's like a connection, a nostalgic connection with his dad who always wanted to go out west too. So there there's like a whole thing. He convinces Cheryl like, okay, like. Our families want us to get married, fine, but we don't have to live the life that they set out for us. Because which wants I feel horrible for him because he's really trying. Yeah, yeah, he's trying to make and this you, up. and he knows at this point Cheryl has basically come clean to him and said like, "Hey, like you need to do this to protect me." And he's like, "Okay, so fine. he's all gung ho about yeah, it." So he's trying to really make it work, and he's like, "Okay, fine, let's just elope. We'll go out west. We'll start a new life together." And this is all sounding great to Cheryl, who wants to escape her horrible family and. And you can even see the look on her face when he says the plan to her and stuff. She knows she has to tell him no. Yeah. And that it's not going to happen. But she's so grateful for the effort he's putting in. Mm-hmm. And I felt for both of them, too. In yeah, this, Like, it, sure. it was kind of on the level of the Betty Kevin thing. Like, yeah. 
she's not going to fully admit what the issue is, but he regardless is going to keep his word mm-hmm. and give his all to protect her. And I found that to be so as stupid as he is. It was very <laughs> cute and endearing. Yeah, it was nice. It's just, you know, we didn't get the impression that they were all that good of a friends to begin with. And, and so- I hope that changes going <laughs> forward, though. I would hope so, too. I mean, we don't exactly know where they're going to go from here because we know that they're not going to elope. But there's presumably still pressure from their families to get married. Yeah, we don't know how this is going to turn up now. Tony does have a conversation with Cheryl trying to convince her to stay, which I think ultimately does convince her to stay. And I just want to do a little drop here of a name because Tony gives her a book to read. I want to read this book. Is this a real book? No. (laughs) No. So it's called she it's called The Cost of Pepper. The, yeah, I wrote which, it down because I'm like, I think I want to read this, but it's not is real. a play on The Price of Salt, which was that book written by Patricia Highsmith, the crazy snail lady who wrote Deep Water. <laughs> it's all com- it's all connected. It's all coming together. How so- did we manage to connect <laughs> Rivertail to Deep Water? <laughs> Holy shit. Thank yeah. you for figuring that out because I would have been looking for that book. Yeah. No, it doesn't exist, but it does exist under the name The Price of Salt. Um, is it the same premise? I believe so. It is a, a lesbian love story and they did make it into a movie, but they changed the name of it to, uh, it had Kate Blanchett in it and somebody else. We talked about it when. Um, oh, right. When we were talking about the author, right? Yeah. That's nuts that we really went full circle from Riverdale (laughs) to fucking deep water and snails and salt. Carol. Oh. That was the movie adaptation of the book. And that was fairly recent, no? Yeah, in in, uh, 2015. Wow. So The Price of Salt is her only novel about an unequivocal lesbian relationship and its relatively happy ending was unprecedented in lesbian literature. Wow, I wonder why she wouldn't allow the... um... (laughs) <laughs> the show to, to call it by his real name. The cost of pepper. When they said the cost of pepper, I shat myself. I was like, are you kidding well, me? Well, now it's like, oh, God, the price of salt and the cost of pepper. Yeah. Fuck, that's hilarious. Wow, this Polak over here is just, just clicking. Well, I mean, you know I went down that rabbit hole of Patricia Highsmith after we watched Deep Water. Well, yeah, that so. was, I mean, you had to, but also. I loved it so much. I would have not. Picked up on, thank God. The only that's other hilarious. reference they've made to her, they've referenced her before because um, Tony went to Highsmith College and Cheryl was supposed to go to Highsmith with her. So I'm assuming Highsmith is also a reference to Patricia Highsmith. But they wouldn't use the, I mean, I guess they don't really use the same names of a lot of things. But, <laughs> but they, they probably do could. sometimes. I don't, like, especially books. Like, they're, Jughead and uh, Veronica keep referring to real movies and book and characters authors, yeah. and stuff. So, like, why not? I don't know. Maybe because she it is, is very sort of a strange. controversial figure. Oh my gosh. Wow. Know. Well, now I want to read The Price of Salt. Oh yeah? You want to read a little steamy lesbian romance novel? I kind of do. I'll, I'll report back yes, if I please. read it. Do it. You can be a guest writer on my blog. <laughs> but yeah, so basically Archie's ready to get them out west and he has his two bus tickets. He's They're going to go and she pulls up in her convertible and she's like, I can't do this. I can't do it. And we're basically left hanging. We yeah, don't we know don't know where gonna... that's going. Because, again, probably still going to be pressure to get married. But she's now attempting to confront 
her real self, which Tony has identified as lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Cheryl is now trying, I guess, will now be her trying Scarlet to come letter to Yeah. <laughs> right there. So, I mean, we can only hope she just doesn't end up in the Sisters of Quiet Mercy again for more conversion therapy. So uh, we'll see. I'll be way worse now. Like, in the <laughs> for 50s. sure. For sure. Um, so as I mentioned briefly, Fangs and Midge are also having Can I tell you this is the, this is my favorite part of the entire this episode? This was wild. First so. of all, time is a social construct because they're in love, guys. Yeah. I feel like they just made out once and right. now they're in love. Yep. And she skipped a period or two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like watching Grease on Fast Forward. <laughs> and honestly... Fangs was like, I love you, and that's great, and uh, we'll figure this out. And I was like, no guy's that accepting of anything ever. Yeah, and like the idea, again, that you just get married. I mean, it makes more sense when there's a pregnancy involved, but... Right, this makes more sense, and given how this plays out also is a lot more realistic. Well, is it? Because Tony's... so. Tony Besides tells, Tony's pregnancy test. Wait, let's come back to that because okay. I want to finish my thought right now because eventually Tony convinces him to get cleaned up, go meet Midge's parents and ask for her hand in marriage, essentially. And they're like not cool with him. And so her plan from there is to just skyrocket him to stardom so that he becomes so famous that they would love for their daughter to marry him. And it's like, what the fuck is this plan? This is ridiculous. It's a weird plan because... (laughs) It's an understatement. I guess it's a matter of being financially... (laughs) Yeah, I I guess. Safe that, like, he'll be able to take care of their daughter. Um, But (laughs) also... We're talking about, like, 16, 17-year-olds. And that doesn't happen overnight. So... But also... Again, loving Tony this episode. She is like She had a lot of good advice. She's she is the person she's to go being to. more of a guidance counselor in the fifties as a student in Riverdale than she was in present day Riverdale as the actual guidance counselor. Right. Which technically didn't exist anyway. We only saw her guide Britta. Oh, poor Britta. She's <laughs> the only person she gave guidance to. But yeah, so she's basically like, all right, well, we have to make sure she's pregnant first, oh and we're going to do it this whole weird facocketed way, and you're going to meet me at the science yeah, the lab in midnight, like at midnight, you're, we're going to somehow get in here, and don't worry, I'll, I'll have it all ready to go. So let's paint the scene. They are in the dark, because obviously they're not going to turn the lights on, and she has a toad that <laughs> is very docile. I was going to say he didn't want to go anywhere. He was yeah, good. Just happy he to hang out. He was happy to be invited. Right? He was on the call sheet. He was very happy. Um, it's my big break, guys. <laughs> Hot my way to the top. And she has a paper bag, which has a container of Midge's pee in it. And also, no, that's all she needs that's to it. do. That's it. That's all was you it. need. There was also like a Kate, like a test enclosure. Yeah. <laughs> But she goes, okay, so this is what we're going to do. I'm going to inject Midge's urine into the toad. Yep. And if the toad lays eggs overnight, <laughs> that means Midge is pregnant. And right mm-hmm. off the bat, <laughs> Fangs is like, does this hurt the toad? Is the toad going to be okay? Yeah, I mean, that was my primary Well, concern. yeah, like, that's a little weird. Like, Although we're... now you're inadvertently making this toad a, a mother. Maybe the toad didn't want to be a mother. Right? Like, 
God, because this is we like legit handmaid's tale kind back, of shit. <laughs> we legit come back from commercial and there are so many eggs. Yeah, like 50 eggs. No, more than that. I think it was eggs. 400 to 500, he Holy said. Holy shit. There was a lot of eggs. Yes. <laughs> In my notes, that frog lays a fuck ton of eggs. <laughs> fuck ton of eggs. Right off the bat, you have Tony saying, she's like, yeah, Midge, you're, uh, you're preggers. You're th- this is it. This is definitive. <laughs> but I would love to... Not that I would want to have to ever take a test in that aspect, but I would love to test this theory. Is it I, a real I theory? I wanted to Google it to see if this was actually a way that people tested for pregnancy in the 50s. I wouldn't not believe it if it was, because there were all sorts of weird home pregnancy tests. But overnight, she's just going to drop 500 eggs overnight. And I don't know what hormones are present in humans that would make a frog lay that many eggs. I don't know. Oh God! It's, she it's, performed. She she got her money. You know, she well, earned her paycheck. And then what? <laughs> now what? We have all these baby frogs without a mother. I know. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. The well, most well known frog test is the Hogbin test, which is a pregnancy testing method prevalent throughout the 1940s to the 1960s by using the underlying principle of hormones and its subsequent biological response in both genders of certain frog species. So this could have been a boy frog too. I think she said it was a boy frog. Well, maybe. Regardless. Yeah, urine samples were injected into the frogs. Again, where is it injected into the frog? What do you mean, where? Well, you're not putting it in his eye. There's not a lot of options. Just pick an area. What? It's like butt cheek? His leg, his toe? It doesn't specify, but I'm guessing a fleshy area. All right. Okay. um, Like you can't. He accidentally, sorry, the scientist <laughs> accidentally discovered that these frogs would ovulate within a day if they were injected with pituitary extracts, as they were very sensitive to any hormonal changes. All right, so that's okay. So it's legit. All Around right. twelve hours later, results could be seen. Wow. So we learned something. All right. Well, this guys, if I ever education. have a pregnancy scare, I will acquire a toad. This and... this episode should have been called Sex Education because we just learned. A that's what I'm time. saying. Like it legit. It crossed over, but it was more... <laughs> we got more education in this This episode. one. Yeah, but unfortunately, poor Fangs gets turned down by the parents. They right, yeah. Well, and, and then the plan to make him famous takes shape, so that's that's. We'll fine. see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be great. And then the other thing we need to talk very briefly about is Uncle Frank's back with a very nefarious-looking mustache. <laughs> um, I wrote at the top, holy shit, Uncle Frank. <laughs> He looks terrifying. Yeah, he looks like he looks like a super villain. He looks like Hiram. Not even Hiram. Oh my god, who's the super villain I'm thinking of from um the dog superhero show? Uh the dog superhero show. Oh, here he is. This guy. <laughs> He's a cartoon. But he looks that's exactly what he looks like. Put a hat on Uncle but Frank. That's what that's Uncle Frank. <laughs> Dick Dastardly was the dog, though. Dick Dastardly. Dick Dastardly. And then this guy's name is an oddly specific kind of character. The Dastardly Whiplash is a cartoonish villain. Oh, he doesn't have a knee? He's just Dastardly Whiplash? <laughs> the vizier twirled his mustache, probably foreclosing another dozen mortgages. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is that this is Uncle Frank as a cartoon, and that's what I pictured 
when I fucking saw him on my screen. Yeah, he's so, and he's angry. Yes, because I guess Mary called him and told <laughs> him all about his gallivantings with Cheryl, and so now he's like, "I'm here to crack skulls, specifically yours." And I was like, "Dude, <laughs> he's in a leather jacket. Like he literally, <laughs> he's killed a lot of people." <laughs> and um, I mean, he was a mercenary at some point. Whatever. So. It's wild. They really and I feel like they fucked with his face. Like I don't. It know. looks very smooth. I think because his hairline, like they they slicked back his hair, and so I think maybe like his face just looks really um, and like super pale. Or yeah. is that just because the mustache is darker brown? It's yeah, it's yeah. got very dark. He he has the look of a villain about him. So we're I think we're gonna get a very different Uncle Frank. And we were just talking last week. We were like, where yeah, are these where people? Is he? I feel bad for Archie now. Yeah, I not that I didn't feel bad for him before, but I also felt like he just had that like common stupid way about him and that nobody was really coming down on him too hard about what he was doing for cheryl so like as long as nobody pushed too hard fine whatever but if if somebody's gonna give him a hard time and now he's put in the position of like do i tell them and compromise cheryl's secret or do i continue to take shit from them even though it's undeserved like now he's in a rough spot where he has to kind of decide how far he's gonna go to protect Cheryl. Right. Again, it's he's got more of a mission now as opposed to just being that like outwardly doofy stupid. Like now it's kinda he's like got a mission. Well no, I mean he's a like doofus with a mission. He's a do- <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all just doofuses with missions? I mean, I know I am. I feel seen. Oh, God. Um, So I'm assuming that you didn't see a trailer. No, I didn't because I watched it much later. Dawn, I'm going to make you watch it right now so that we can talk about it because it was fucking wild. That was like... I don't know what I just watched. I know. I I have like really frantic It's a combination <laughs> of several. What? It's like a combo of The Shining. Yes. Of some orgy type of thing. Yeah. Because... Of hairspray. <laughs> of. It seems like Archie and Cheryl are going to bang, but that makes no sense given that they basically kind of ended things or at least. Or like... is it this weird fever? Dr- I, yeah. Guys, if again, if you listen to the podcast religiously, I consider so many things fever dreams. Yeah. But it's Don's favorite term. It's my favorite term, but also like that preview alone was a fever yes. dream. I definitely think the sequence where Betty and Veronica are on that weird picnic blanket, like come play with us, shining vibes. Like, that's definitely a dream sequence. I don't know what it is related to, but that's definitely not real. And then it seems like there is that scene that we saw from the trailer for the season with Betty hairspraying right. her giant beehive, but then she also has a seizure later, yes. which, I mean, we remember the last time people were having seizures, it was because of the jingle jangle or the, yes, the jingle rocks jangle. or I think it was fizzle rocks leaching into Sweetwater River. So we don't know why she's having a seizure now. And I wonder if that also will go into the full preview for the season that we saw where we see Archie on a table with like a saw coming down onto his body, like he's about the to get cut in half. The seizures are related to the saw. Well, I'm just saying, like, there's some weird shit happening where people are being tied up, and <laughs> I mean, we saw in that again the full season preview. He's like on a table tied right. down. Yes, yeah. so I remember like, that. So, like, you have Ethel's parents. You have 
Yeah, nobody else has died yet, so we, we really don't have a lot of... Like, who poisoned Betty? Like, that hashtag, who poisoned Betty? Hashtag. I mean, we don't even know that she was poisoned. We have very little context from the trailer, and we know from Riverdale trailers, you just can't trust them. That was a lot. It was, and like... And the context gets, mis- like, misconstrued, because yes. they'll put a line over yeah. a scene that doesn't yes. belong. They, they do that with The Bachelor all the time. <laughs> but they Every do it with this show sh- a lot. Yeah. And so we can't really draw many conclusions, but I just, I remember watching that trailer and being like, that was a fucking shit show. And I'm like, I need Dawn to see this so that we can talk about it briefly. <laughs> because I can't. And the thing that annoys me about this season is that, like, each episode, the trailers make you think, okay, well, then we're just abandoning everything we did in this trailer because or in this episode, because the trailer seems to indicate that we're not revisiting any of the things that we just did. Yeah. So I don't know. It just, it doesn't make me look forward to next week ever because there doesn't seem to be like a continuation of anything. Like nothing is teasing me to continue. Right. But we have to, because we do this. <laughs> exactly. So, we must uh, continue the we journey. We must soldier on. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that was really everything yes i'm i'm done talking about all this. <laughs> i'm done is, with this lisa is done we shall conclude ah shucks yeah so i guess i'm kind of looking forward to next week i don't know i i'm indifferent it is what it is <laughs> i don't think we're getting any of that we're gonna in get context. an episode yeah. and it may or may not suck <laughs> that's yep. where i'm at that's how we go every week okay so this week we have another pod pick of the week and it's drunk theory and this is another another podcast and group of people who have been extremely supportive of us since day one and always retweeting us and helping us gain followers. And that's Kara, Kelly, and Ryan. And their podcast is Great Conversation and Conspiracies. A little bit of drinking on the side. Which <laughs> which we all do. We all do. And it's an amazing it's amazing conversations and even better with a little being a little tipsy on the side too. So yeah, so definitely go and check them out. Um their website is drunktheory.com and all the links will be in our post for our pod pick of the week this week. I also want to thank everybody. We are number eight in TV all time indie chart for Woo! good pods, which Yay! is phenomenal. I love seeing us on those, uh, right now we're on TV, and then when we get to our movies, we tend to switch around, but I do appreciate, we appreciate all of the people who tell us that they may not watch Riverdale or Emily in Paris, but our reviews and discussions about the episodes, they don't need to watch because we entertain them enough, and that is very (laughs) nice to hear. Again, you know where to find us, Twitter, Instagram website and do you have anything you'd like to add (laughs) i don't have any holidays i was gonna say i don't know if we have Um, holidays coming up i guess happy administrative professionals day tomorrow that tomorrow yes a lot of us i believe are administrative professionals the administrative professional uh crew so backbone of the office so uh yeah man we keep it we keep it churning we keep it tight So yeah, definitely check out our pod pick of the week and be sure to subscribe so you can catch us next week with our new episode. And until then, that's Endgame. Game.